What's up, people? It is a profitable conversation. We have a very special guest, Mr. Trent Jones in the house, also known as TJ3 History. So we're going to get into some profitable conversation today and why history matters, because he is a history YouTuber, which some people don't like that moniker, but we kind of think it's cool. Film filmmaker, documentary filmmaker, a lot, lot of names. Will, a lot, you know, a lot of different names. A lot of different names. Before we get into the show, though, I need like y'all to like for the algorithm because we're on a mission to spread some practical religion. Our whole goal is Christ improvement over self improvement, trying to get you to be aiming more, like towards Christ in your person um, and less of like yourself. So you're dying to yourself. And I think that, you know, Trent is a very good representation of that. We'll get into, you know, his process, how he, be, how he became a YouTuber, um, what he's doing outside of YouTube as well, and, you know, how we know each other as well. First, we're going to get to some quality people in the comments. So we have Miss Kenya McIntosh. My amazing girlfriend saying to like for the algorithm. Um, Mayday's in the house. Mayday. Shout out to my cousin Mayday. We have Hornet in the house as well. Like for the algorithm. That is a, that's a, one of TJ's guys. I've, I've recognized him from some streams and from things that uh, have gone on. Um, an annoying American. I'm imagining that's one of your guys as well. So I mean, shout out to everybody. So. Um, Annoying American says, I have found the wild TJ. Here he thought he could escape us, but not streaming on Twitch, or by not streaming on Twitch. So I guess this might be yeah, one of trying, your streaming days. I'm just days. trying to escape you guys. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I shouted out uh, the stream in the Discord. So uh, oh, there we, we have go. some of my normal guys. Yep. Because um, those, are, those are some of my loyal uh, viewers over there. So I figured they'd like to uh, swing by. So I did shout it out there. So if you guys are there, Glad to have you, and uh, hopefully y'all uh, enjoy me not yelling at you guys on a video game for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, can you put your YouTube channel in the chat? So if y'all are interested in checking out some of his amazing historical recreations of some of the World War II aviation battles and just stories, um, Kenya's, check out Kenya McIntosh's um, chat. Um, she uh, linked his channel in there. Uh, shout out to Aunt Cindy in the house. Faithful viewer, faithful viewer. Um, so, who are going to do that? I'm going to make one quick adjustment to the stream here. Um, and while I'm doing that, Trent, why don't you just tell them just a little bit about you, who you are, before we dive into our topics. Um, yeah. So, uh, first off, um, if any of my people are out there watching, um, they're going to be like, Hey, <clears throat> who the heck are you talking about? Um, because they, most of them know me as, uh, TJ. Um, but obviously Josh is going to call me Trent. That is what I go by, um, when I'm not online. Um, but, uh, basically I am, uh, currently a full-time YouTuber, um, I exclusively cover pretty much aviation history and to be extremely specific, World War II uh, aviation history. And um, there's a long journey to get here. That was not what I originally uh, did when I started making content. And it's certainly not what I 
imagined I would be doing for a job at any time in, in, in the uh, buildup of my career. Um, but that's where we are now. Um, and I think we're going to talk about some of the uh, things that kind of were the stepping stones to get here today. Um, but currently, dad of three, uh, married, um, live in Georgia, uh, good friends with uh, my good buddy Josh here on the uh, show, and uh, actually played baseball with Josh uh, back in the day, as did my brothers. And uh, now here we are, TJ3 history, uh, trying, trying to save history. So that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. I like it. I like it. Shout out to Horny. He said, epic cameraman. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. I, I try my best to, you know, be top tier in everything we do. And uh, I think that's really shown. I think they can kind of see the progression of, you know, how I've grown as a filmmaker through just the first yeah. thing that I did with you to what we're able to produce now as well. So I know that I can. So I, I would definitely imagine that they could too. Awesome. Awesome. Now let's jump into some topics. First, we're going to talk about saving history. So you were um, just referenced that, that you're traveling around saving history. So what is the importance of preserving history just in a general sense? Yeah. So, um, you know, this is something that has really kind of only begun to uh, sprout in, in my uh, life and kind of sprout as our general motto here at, at TJ3 History um, in really in the past year, um, because if you look back at my content just two years ago, I was making crash compilation videos, which is a far cry from what we're doing now. Um, but what what the importance of saving history is and where we've you know come to to try and execute that is basically this is we have history books we have tons of combat reports we have written history we have um, oral history um, we have all sorts of stuff we even have artifacts in the ground depending on you know what you're 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 looking at but what we don't have uh, is the word of mouth of people who were there because that is a limited resource that is something that can just vanish and for example, um, you know, we look at the Civil War right now. There are currently zero surviving veterans of the Civil War here in the United States. Um, and so we can go look down the road here in Georgia, and there's, there's multiple battlefields uh, within an hour's drive. And we can read the maps. We can read the information that they have at the battlefield. Um, and, you know, if we really dug into it, we could find, you know, some, some, some musket balls, or we could find, um, you know, shrapnel, we could find remnants of all sorts of stuff from a battle. Um, but what we can't find is how it smelled at the battlefield. We, we can't find, um, you know, where, where was the smoke coming from? Where, uh, you know, this guy who was killed in this spot, you know, what kind of person was he? Um, a lot of those things we really can't uh, ever get back because we don't know the oral history, the actual firsthand accounts of people who were there. And so that's kind of what we're trying to do now with our specific time period, which is World War II. And um, the example that we have is a lot of people actually think that the World War II veterans are, are pretty much gone. And that's almost true. 
every single living veteran of World War II is is 95 to you know 105 years old. Right. Um, and so there are very few remaining, but they are there, and we're finding them faster than we could have ever hoped for. Uh, and so what you know we're trying to do is get that information that once it's gone, it's gone forever. Right. Um, and we're doing, you know, a very good job of that. And, and you know, you, you've seen it firsthand. There are stories that we've already gotten on camera that if we have not, if we had not been there to record that conversation, those stories are probably gone forever, mm, um, yeah. never to be told again. And that, in, that information is gone, you know? Yeah. I can't tell you how many times we walked away from a veteran veteran interview whether it's from his house or a museum or wherever we were meeting him and we were just like man like we were we were doing research before we went into the interview and we're like oh that he did this he did this and they told us just something crazy that we could have never imagined and it's just like if we didn't make that trip if we didn't find this guy that story would have never been told and it would have just you know it would have literally just died at when they unfortunately perish, but it, it, I'm so blessed to be a part of something where it, it feels like it really matters because in this age of new media, when we compile all of the different things that we are doing, this is going to be able to live on forever, uh, which, is, which is a really cool thing. It's like these things that otherwise would have just never been known actually get to live on forever. As opposed to like, if you think about, I mean, even in like ancient, uh, we can think of like biblical days where they had to write everything down. A lot of stuff gets lost. A lot of stuff like we only have half of, you know, this like scroll or whatever, or this is damaged and things just weren't able to be preserved, but we're able to preserve it in such a way that the, the authenticity of it will be able to live forever because of how, how we're able to record in the modern age. And, and one of the things that, that doesn't get recorded very well um, from written history is the emotion. Um, yeah. It's very difficult to, to convey the emotion. And, and, and we've got so many examples of this. And some of the coolest stuff that we've actually been able to get actually is not even combat. You know, right. um, so much of it is is completely separate from combat. We had a guy, um, if anybody's seen the movie Band of Brothers, um, we had a guy one time and he he actually flew support for the 101st Airborne over the Battle of Bastogne, which is a very, very famous um, battle in 1944. And it was famous because it was a huge, terrible winter storm. And <clears throat> these guys were, were snowed in, they were cut off from supplies, and they had to survive surrounded by the enemy for a few days with, with in far below freezing temperatures in Belgium. And one of the things we got from that pilot, that this P-47 pilot who flew air cover for that particular battle, was there was one point in the interview where he looks off and he just talks about the temperature. Um... Do I need to pause? No, sorry. Yeah, I hit the wrong button. You're okay. good. Okay. He, so he he talks about the temperature in Belgium, um, in Bastogne, and he just looks off into the distance, and he says, "In a hundred years, 
I've been alive. That was the coldest winter that I've ever lived through. Um, and, and you can see it in his face. You can see the emotion in his eyes and you can see him remembering that and feeling how cold it was and knowing that those guys down there in the foxholes, freezing on the ground in the snow are depending on him. Um, and so like stuff like that, you can write down the temperature was 15 degrees, you know, or whatever, but you can't get the look on his face from written history or, or the, 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 you know, shining in his eye, if you will. You know? Yeah. Like, and just seeing the, the, the emotion, I think is a really big point that you hit on because when, when you're doing these interviews, you, you can really feel them going back in time. All right. And the good times you can see them transform them transfer from oh this was the the good old days to man war is hell that's a phrase that we've often heard from a lot of these different vets because you always ask that question at the end of the interview is like hey is there is there yeah. anything that you would like to tell the people and i can't tell you i think we've done maybe 13 or 14 vets and probably seven or eight of them have said the same exact phrase you need to tell people that war yeah. is hell and i think the other half have said hey like I wish the history was being taught to these kids and to specifically young kids to young kids. Yeah. What they say so, a lot. Because yeah. yeah, it's, they're like, it's not being taught. Like I, I forgot who it was. Um, I think it was, um, who was our buddy, Don McPherson out in Nebraska. Um, who I, I don't think you're, you haven't put a video out on him. So, um, your viewers may hey, not know, but he, he's, he's coming. Soon. Yeah. I think he's one of the next ones. But he was like, yeah, I used to get invited to go speak at schools all the time. And now my phone hasn't even rang in like the last three or four years. And Don yeah. is what well, he was like 101 or 102, still driving around, like going, he was going to all like the Nebraska football and baseball game. Like this, this yeah. guy is so invaluable to the world with his experience on earth, with what he's lived through. And you should be putting him in front of kids because he he would be able to give such a unique perspective that'll help one of these young kids grow up to be so much greater than they ever could have been without, you know, somebody like Don to give their perspective. Yeah. And that that's the real uh, way to save history is to get, you know, you mm. think our videos, you know, are cool. Wait until you go see Don in person, you know, or, or have yes, him come yeah. speak at a school, you know, that that's a whole nother level to be able to ask him a question, you know, next, next level, you know, right. But yeah, absolutely. No. And that, that brings up another good point because we have to recreate the feeling of what it's like to be in the room with these vets, which is not easy to do. So, so like the, the, the problem if you will, that we have when we're making these videos is kind of twofold. It's okay. We go and we visit these vets, right? And we have to recreate what it was like to be in the room with them. But then we also have to recreate what it was like 75 years ago on the battlefield as well. And so yeah. it's, it's yeah. such an interesting thing. And I think that you're doing a very good job at, um, balancing what it's like to be in the room with these guys now currently and where they are but also you know 
the history side of it, like the historical, this is what happened. This is what was going on. This is like, I mean, you, you always talk about you, you're putting on your Indiana Jones hat and finding different things. And it's just really cool to see like the end product. Cause I mean, I'm only one small piece of, you know, a lot of different moving parts to, um, to what goes into making one of your videos. So yeah, I, de I definitely yep. think that like, just what you're doing is just incredible to the world. It's invaluable to the world. And I think it won't be revered and really appreciated until many years down the road, like a lot of different things in history. It's like when you look back, it's like, yeah, oh, wow, I'm glad somebody did this. Yeah. And, and, and that's one of the things that I really like to uh, repeat is that, you know, we're not even making um, there's among YouTubers, which, you know, I hesitate to be called that, but among YouTubers there, you know, there's, you know, you can make trending content, um, or you can make evergreen content. And so trending content is, oh, I'm going to do this hot TikTok dance. I'm going to make a video about this celebrity right now, or this fun food. That's a big hit or a video game, whatever, or I can make evergreen content, you know, something that doesn't stop being viewed today you know it like how to uh install a light bulb you know or um how to take down your christmas tree you know whatever there's tons of evergreen content um but that stuff doesn't just go away in a week or two and that's really all there there usually is in youtube um and if you have the choice evergreen's always better because it's a better long-term and you know investment or whatever but i think what we're actually doing is better than both of those it's 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 almost greener as it goes on if that right, makes yeah. sense you know it's it's you know increasingly green you know um because you know it, it, it's valuable today it's more valuable tomorrow and possibly even more valuable you know, 10 years from now, um, you know, like for example, the big thing I do is, you know, what I wouldn't give today to hear a recorded interview of a civil war veteran of a world yeah. war one veteran, you know, of, of some of those guys that we don't have anything of, you know, how, how priceless would that be? Um, and, and so, yeah, absolutely. I think, and that's the good thing about where my content has come. It was not very, um, mentally or, you know, heartwarming to make crash calculation videos, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, it, it was but, like cool in the moment. What, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was cool. Oh, I'm getting some YouTube views mm -hmm. or whatever, but what, what I do now, um, I, I take pride in, you know, and I, mm. I, I, I sleep, I sleep good knowing that, you know, all this hard work isn't just about working my job. There's a much bigger goal here uh, that we're working to accomplish that really makes it all worth it more so than a normal job would, you know? Awesome. Yeah. Um, I got a question before that. I see you guys with questions for TJ. Keep sending them in. We will get to those in just a little while. And I also see the super chat that we got. We'll acknowledge that in just a little bit as well. So want to appreciate you guys for tuning in. But TJ, just going back. So... You mentioned that your content's like, it's actually almost getting greener as it goes, which is great. It's like 
that's that's a good investment, which is, you know, yeah. you want things like that in your life to compound, whether it's, you know, money in your investing or whether it's a skill set or just your life trajectory in general. You always want to be compounding and getting better in your person. But just talk about the impact that what you're doing now, because you have three young kids, what kind of impact would those have on your kids? Because they probably know, yeah, daddy makes, you know, videos and he puts them on the internet maybe, but they don't really understand the true value and the true impact of what it is that we're doing. So just can you yeah. expound on that? You know, that one's tough because um, I'm very hopeful that it will have that impact on them. Um, obviously, it, you know, because my, my oldest one is five right now, you know, so it's mm -hmm. it's it's not at the point where I can, you know, see it, you know, tangibly and know, oh, that's, that's impacting him because obviously they can't understand it. But, you know, I'll, I'll use my story, um, for example, and my story is probably similar to a lot of my guys, if, if there are any out there. I know a lot of my viewers, you know, what happens is, is there's some event um, in the life of these history fans. And there's this moment when they're like, Oh my goodness, I, this stuff is crazy, you know. Mm, yeah. um, like th this, this, this guy did this, you know. This plane did this. This, you know, this place, this happened. Um, and for me, it was it was a couple of different things. My grandfather, for a lot of people, it's a relative finding out. For example, George Ritalis, right. um, one of our good friends. Uh, George's big moment was finding out that his dad or excuse me, his grandfather, um, you know, w participated in World War II in the Pacific on, on Guadalcanal. Um, and, and, you know, he read this logbook and, and he didn't know, you know, much about history, I don't believe. But from that point, he was like, well, I want to find out more about my grandfather. And so then he has to learn about where he was, why he was there, what did he do there? Who were the bad guys there? Why, why were they the bad guys? And, you know, then then you just continue to open up worms. What was this plane he was working on? What did the plane do? You know, what happened to this good friend of his who was killed? You know, how did he get killed? You know, and so for me, the that kind of moment was as I took, um, I, for one, I kind of watched the movie Pearl Harbor, to be honest with you, when I was like 11 or 12. I was like, dude, I was like, these planes are sick. Yeah. Um, and then I also took this summer class one time on board games and we played three board games in the class and there was chess that we started out with which is cool i like chess and then we played risk and risk was really fun you know you get to move the little pieces try and take over the world whatever it's fun i think every guy deep in his heart really likes a good game of risk um and then the last game we played in this class was something called axis and allies and what Axis and Allies is, 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 you know, you set up, you basically start in 1941 at the onset of World War II. And there's it's up to five people and each person gets to play a country. And it's set up just like the world was in 1941 with, you know, Hitler has his big armies in Germany, Churchill struggling in Britain, the United States is just in La La Land, uh, and then soviets just got people everywhere you know and so you have to play out world war ii and if you're the germans you have to try and win it from from the german starting point if you're the japanese from them you know and so on 
And so, you know, I was just like, oh, dude, this is exhilarating, you know, um, because my my personal opinion of, as to why, because you don't really see people, um, you know, obsessing quite as much over Vietnam or over, uh, you know, the, you know, the World War One or whatever. And my personal opinion on that is because technology was at this perfect, perfect part, this perfect level in World War Two, where it was not so advanced that it's boring. Um, you know, today combat is, you know, a lot of times we just sit in a room and we control a drone and drop bombs from a screen, you know. And then in World War One, it it was, you know, almost so gory that it's like medieval times, you know, people, yeah. many people died from trench foot, you know, and, and all these other gross diseases as they yeah. did, you know, uh, the enemy or whatever. But then you get into World War Two and you get these airplanes where you actually have to shoot at the other airplanes in the air. There's no missiles. You have to shoot them down. You might have to jump out of your plane. Submarines are still a big factor. You know, nobody's, you know, really dropping huge bombs until 1945 that, that kill everyone. You know, it's, it's just true strategic combat, you know? And so personally, that's kind of what, what triggered my big moment. And I think all these history fans have one. It might be seeing a plane fly for the first time. It might be finding out their, their great grandfather, you know, did something in D-Day or whatever, but that's kind of the moment that, you know, a lot of history fans really start to kind of become enamored with with this particular period and this particular conflict, if that answers the question in a long way. No, yeah, it definitely does. Because just going back to the first point that you kind of hit on where there's like this moment where you're like, wow, like now I am kind of hooked. It's, it's almost like when you, you get hooked to your Netflix show because they just grip you in such a way that now you're you're binge watching it. Um, and I know when I first started doing stuff with you, you're like, do you know anything about history? And I was like, I mean, I mean I'm a history guy, but most of the history that I study and that I know is more of like biblical, ancient Rome history, because that's what I was just naturally right. interested in. And I had a love for, you know, air, just airplanes in general, because my dad's a pilot and he grew up you know, telling me, you know, different stories. And we would always go see the different Tuskegee Airmen movies that were made. And I thought, I always thought those were cool, but I just never was into, you know, just like war and, you know, that sort of thing. And then I get to travel with you and just the things that I'm hearing and just being able to feel like what those guys were going through. And you're like, wow, he, he went through that. Like, it's not just yeah. a story on a screen. It's not this video game that you're playing where you're you know just living as one of these guys he went through that he lived what we are actually you know playing on like if we're you know playing war thunder or even some of the call of duty games that try to you know mimic warfare in such a way yeah what the average what the average guy the average guy went through in 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 this conflict would just drop jaws today right. like if i if i came up to a party and i was like one time somebody shot at me you know just fired around at me and it just missed you know that's instantly the coolest story at that party yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And every one of these guys just got just, you know, like we've had, we've had guys that are just like, we're like, did your, your plane ever take damage? He's like, oh, every, every, every time. Yeah. We got every, lit up. Every, every mission. <laughs> we just got lit up. Guy, guy got shot down yeah. twice in five missions, guys. Yeah, this crazy. one guy. We, his name's yeah. Walter, we haven't gotten to him, but yeah. We haven't even, haven't even got there yet. Okay. But you know, any of the story, like if, 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 if you told me, you know, oh, I one time my plane engine stopped working and I had to jump out of the plane with a parachute. That would just be like the craziest story you've ever heard, right? And like half of these guys we've talked to have had to bail out, you know, not even just because their engine stopped working, but because people are actually shooting at them, right? You know, um, and I mean, it's just like the stuff you hear on an average interview with one of these guys would just drop jaws today. And and a lot of people just don't know that. It's crazy. And it's it's very interesting because we're now living in a time where we're just far enough away to where we can't really feel the effects of what the war, what winning that war actually meant, right? We we hear about it and we can yeah. learn about it, but we don't actually understand the impact of oh no, the world would be completely different had these guys not went and risked their lives and many did lose their lives um, for, you know, our freedom, for our ability to, you know, be here and to have all the different freedoms and the privileges that we do have in this great country. Not saying that this country is yeah. perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but we wouldn't be living in the greatest time, like in the greatest country, if it wasn't for the sacrifice of men like we're interviewing. So, yep. yeah, I definitely agree. So let's get to some of your, you know, chats. And I think we got a I need, super I chat. Need in here's... Up, I need to pull up the uh, actual stream because I can't even see the comments. I want to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and pull it up. There's a, yeah, we got a few in here. We got Hornet making some noise. Um, let's see. I'm trying to see if my, okay, my comments are working. Cool. So we got a $10 super chat from Kenya Mack, who is also a host on quality entertainment. She just had a wonderful show with Miracle, um, the other night. So, um, y'all would want to go check that out, especially if you are a female. I know we're probably got more male centered, you know, audience tonight. But uh, Kenya says, I bet you guys didn't expect the grenade fishing story. <laughs> I told her that and she didn't believe that. And that, that was in my back of my mind to tell. So we'll get into that in just a second. I want to go through a couple more chats, yeah. but we're, we're definitely going to definitely gonna touch on that in just a second. We got Hornet in the house. He says, question for TJ. How does it feel to speak to these World War II vets? It must be a very special feeling. I think he touched on it, but just, you know, just acknowledge it for Hornet there. Yeah, um, I mean, just just to summarize it, um, you know, when you really get them into the moment, you know, when you really get them going on a story and you, you, you get to the climax, you know, and you get to see the emotion on their face, a lot of times it's, it's just there's no better way to put it than you're just watching a movie. You're just getting to actually watch like a movie where you get to, you know, Band of Brothers, a documentary, you know, you, you're getting to see this movie in real life. You're getting to see the emotion on his face. You're getting to hear something that's very, very important to him um, and something that, 
you know, quite possibly in some of the cases that nobody else has ever heard. You know, that's that's what it really feels like. It's like you're getting to see a movie firsthand, private, you know, it is just crazy, to be honest. Yeah, no, Hornet had a comment earlier of the Band of Brothers as the best series. So that was a good reference there. Um, he also has a, another question for us, said, uh, what's your favorite baseball team? And me as well, if I have one. Um, you know, I, I got away from watching baseball MLB wise. I used to be a big Braves fan and I think I would still probably say the Braves, they hurt my feelings when they moved the all-star game for a variety of reasons, um, in 2021. Um, so I don't really watch baseball that much, but my brother plays in college right now. So I would probably say, um, my favorite baseball team is his team, uh, which is currently, uh, one of the D1 baseball teams here in Georgia. So uh, Georgia Tech, go, go Jackets. That's who my current favorite baseball team is. Yeah, I'm looking to have a big year out of Cam this year. So um, my yeah. favorite baseball team, it's I've always rooted for the Red Sox because uh, I never, so any team in Georgia, I've just never liked because everybody here is such a just fanatic. Like fans in Georgia for their sports teams are ridiculous. Like, the, pe the amount of people here that are Georgia Bulldog fans that have never even went or just attended a school anywhere near Athens is unreal. And so, and they just go so hard for the dogs or they'll go hard for the Falcons. Um, but I mean, I was kind of raised as a, well, they're the commanders now as a football team because that was just my uncle played for them. But baseball wise, I've always rooted for the Red Sox just because I liked David Ortiz growing up. And just like the different players. And I kind of always didn't like some of the Yankees. So I was like, yeah, let's go Red Sox. Um, and then I like the pretty much my favorite baseball player the last, you know, decades been Andrew McCutcheon. So whatever team he's kind of on, I'm always rooting for and always kind of keeping up with. Because I just, you know, I loved the way how he, he just came into the game with his hair on fire. And that's how I tried to model my game after and i mean he's hasn't been as productive over the last you know three four years but he's still a solid player for the team he's on so i uh, check in on the pirates now as well so that is my answer um a couple more chats before we get into our next topic it says uh this is from annoying american tj i want to know will we get a leak on the next tj project so they're 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 wanting some hints you, you, you've honestly gotten a few of them tonight uh, with the veterans that we, because we, I don't get to talk about the vets very often that we haven't gotten to yet. Um, you got to hear a little bit about Don McPherson and uh, Walter Ram today, um, as well as Ed Cottrell, actually. Um, I think the next project, you know, I'll give you this one. Um, so we've got a really big project coming up that I've been working on that is uh, inside the USS Hornet aircraft carrier. Oh, okay. uh, obviously, Hornet Hornet will like that in the chat over there, obviously. But, um, but yeah, so that one should be a fun one. Lots of very cool stuff, but it's also going to be one of the most unique videos we've ever done. It's going to be a lot more in-person filming than, uh, than we've done before. So it'll be, it'll be a tricky one. So there you go. Yeah, when I tell you that video is going to be very unique from anything else that's ever been on Trent's channel or TJ's channel, oh, yeah. it's it's going to be unique just because of the way that it was filmed, 
the the structure in which it was filmed i honestly i wish we got to film more of the um just like us just there hanging out just yeah. hanging out and i'm a, I'm a little we... i'm a little i'm a little nervous about it to be honest yeah. with you but we'll, <laughs> we'll yeah well how... i guess we'll see we'll see how this does and then <laughs> if we ever get to take another trip out there we can maybe do more of the hopefully the stuff, i can but... make it a good video and the viewers watch it but we'll, we'll... <laughs> it's gonna be so different <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's always that's that's kind of the struggle with youtube which is yeah. what we'll kind of get into in a little bit um but uh last chat before we head into our next topic Annoying American says, didn't the town called Athens revolt after World War II over corruption? I'm, I'm, this is out of my league. I have no idea. But thank you guys for your chats and super chats. Now we're going to get into our second topic, traveling around the USA. So you've gotten to, or I guess we've gotten to go to some very interesting places all around the just country, just interviewing these vets so tell us what it's like to travel to different cities what it takes in order to plan one of these trips and maybe some of the the lessons and favorite trips that you've taken during your tour if you will um it's you know honestly i'm just getting ptsd just talking about it um <laughs> you know we we've we've actually me and my wife who helps me plan a lot of this stuff have been uh going back and forth a lot the past few days just because we have had so many variables we're trying to coordinate to plan our next trip uh you know we've got to try and you know talk to the vets talk to their families see who's available what day check flights and all this sort of stuff so the short answer to the question is it's actually insanely hectic it's it's chaotic it's stressful trying to plan the travel is truly just not fun um when we get there it's fun getting to hear the stories right. of these vets um but a lot of times everything outside of that can be not fun <laughs> you know i mean we i feel like i don't even remember what our last trip was oh uh, san francisco that's what it yes, was yeah. um you know but i mean like dude like just getting there was horrible the flight was long yeah. uh, we had to wake up you know freaking 4 a.m or whatever the hour and a half uh, 17 then, mile then, drive uh, yeah yeah i mean <laughs> travel travel was terrible the rental car experience is often a nightmare you know i mean it's truly just not fun a lot of times um every now and then we'll just get to go somewhere cool and it'll be kind of chill um but a lot of times it's a lot of long driving um it really really is a lot of long driving a lot of long flights um, and a lot of times we're just working in the flights. A lot of times Josh is working on his stuff in, on the plane, you know, in the airport, you know, and so am I, I'm writing scripts on the plane. Um, so a lot of that, um, is, is just tough, but the actual interviews are great. Um, favorite place that, that I've been, uh, I, I would probably just... <laughs> say, yeah, I, I would probably say, Oh man. Um, going to New York was pretty cool. Um, that was a very unique experience yeah, that was to cool. get to talk to Manny. Um, but, uh, really tough. Um, also because Seattle was very, very cool, but Seattle was also not very cool. Um, it was both at the same it, time. <laughs> yeah, the actual city itself was terrible. Um, but 
the little neck of the woods that Dick lived in um, for that particular story was fantastic and beautiful. Um, really, really cool. So those are certainly two of my favorites, I would say. Yeah, I definitely New York's probably at the top for me just because of what we did in that short amount of time. Because I think we, we were only there for like just over 24 hours, maybe. But I felt like yeah, we did that a lot. A I felt like we were there for a couple of days just with everything we did. Yeah. We found a little coffee yeah. shop and everything. So that was yeah. a lot of fun. And then I really liked Tucson. So we've been to Tucson twice. I liked the Tucson yeah, trip yeah. when we went to see Walter. That was a lot of fun because mm. we, we found a nice little disc golf. We, we finally had some downtime and we got to go to some cool little disc golf courses and, you know, sling some discs. And it was just that like Arizona is such different terrain than Georgia that like when you're yeah. out there, it's just like, man, like this is this is cool because it's just something that you don't see every day. And so that's that's why those two are probably my, at the top of my list. But yeah, just yeah. echoing what you said earlier is like a lot of these trips, it's also a nightmare on my end too, because I gotta pack up all this gear and then I have I have so many bags that I have to give you like a couple bags to check so that we're not paying like, you know, over yeah, like we're not a, paying we for like even, eight we bags. Don't, we don't even we have to yeah. get into like yeah. weighing <laughs> the crazy. bags. And right. Every yeah. trip, every trip a bag disappears. Or, you know, we might yeah, have to shoot this interview without lights or this interview without, you know, the right microphone, you know, or whatever, yeah. you know, and it's just chaos. Yeah, tra it, traveling you know, with gear is, is a, yeah. a whole nother issue. But, and then also when, when we're there, it's such like, <laughs> you give out the itinerary and it's like, bam, 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 home. You know, it's, it's not like a lot of, uh, cause I know sometimes our family members are like, oh, y'all are getting to go to these cool I places. We're like, uh, yeah, we're, we're working. Like, I mean, granted, we love what we do and it's my, cool to get the vacation. Yeah. yeah my, it's my not vacation a vacation. Getting this, this cheesesteak. <laughs> this, yeah. this is the height of my vacation on this trip. Right. Right. You know, so yeah, it's it's constant like hit this, hit this, hit this, and then the travel takes a lot out of you. So by the time we get there, we get settled in, we do an interview, and then we go to the hotel. It's like, oh, we're sleeping in until it's not like we get to go and kind of like really enjoy it, unless we like yeah. are just really like. I mean, New York, we were like, nah, we we need to walk around because it's like. Yeah, when I mean, when, it's walking, York, when but... it's walking distance, it's different. But like I right. mean, in San Fran in San Francisco, we we didn't see anything. We we went right. to none of the big items in San Francisco. Yeah. We saw the know, Golden Gate Bridge from like a very 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 far far distance. We were like, yeah, I think that's it right there. But that was that was pretty much it. So, yeah. So yeah, that I mean that's that's traveling around the U.S. What what it, just go through. Who's been a couple of your favorite vets that you've gotten to interview? You know, dude, I, it's that's so tough. Um, Walter Walter was cool um, because his story had so much action. Um, that's that's one particular one where, um, you know, for example, like I've got to figure out how to cover his story as a POW. Um, he was mm, a POW yeah. for like you know six months or something, maybe long, maybe it was thirteen. I don't remember. But, you know, he had as much story as a POW, you know, as he did with, um, with, with flying. Um, so that one was particularly cool. Um, you know, looking back, it's tough not to like Ed McNaff's 
just because of how important that story was for the channel um, as being the first one that we really did, uh, you know, ourselves. Right. Um, and then also, you know, Dick Morales will also always hold a special place um, in my heart, I think, because we got to not only do him as the first veteran, but we also got to see him fly again. Um, yeah, that was very, very cool. Yeah, so that one, that one, that one was special. That was one video where I edited, and you know I could watch it, and every time I watch the end of that video, I'll tear up as long as I'm alive. I think. Um, yeah, you know, so that, that those are probably some of my favorites for sure. But I mean, I I have yet. I have yet to have one that I don't like. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will say that. Yeah, there's definitely, there's not a bad one. A uh, couple yeah. that stick out to me, definitely, you, you mentioned it earlier, Manny. Because Manny was just a character, and he, he's just fun. He's just, he's just one of those guys that's like the life of the party. You, you walked into, like, his apartment, and he had art just everywhere like i'm he telling wasn't you even an apartment everywhere he lived in an just, art studio. yeah he lived he in an, an art, art studio. studio and it was it was crazy and the, and then the funny thing was that's, the funny that's one of the unsung things is their houses getting to walk in these guys houses yeah oh yeah that is, is one of, is yeah one of so cool let me so manny's was an art studio and then i'll, I'll tell walters after this but the funniest <laughs> the funny thing about manny <laughs> was we <laughs> When you said, hey, Manny, because we, we have to ask these guys, we either have to get them to sign a piece of paper, which that's tedious because you might lose the paper and all that. So generally we do a video consent so, so that they, you know, give us permission to use their, you know, that use their, what we capture in our videos. And so we go, hey, Trent goes, Manny, just give us permission to use you in the video, state your name and everything. He goes... My name is Manny Greer, and, and then he just proceeds to tell us, like, for five minutes about his life story, and then afterwards, Trent's like, close enough, and then he just went on with the interview. It was, it was, was that like, was one of the funniest like moments. Minutes, he spent, like, five minutes explaining his name. I yeah, think. that's what I it was, he yeah. he was exclusively explaining the name Manny, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was insane. And then Walters um, in Tucson, he had a very very nice house, and he had these big, almost like Great Gatsby like doors. And so like we were we were pulling up, we we're like, oh, who's this guy? And uh, his son opened the door, and there's like this classical music playing, and then Walters just sitting, not even looking at us, sitting with his with his back to us, just enjoying the music, just just in the zone, and. and I think his son, the whole time we were setting up, was just sharpening knives. Too. Yeah, that's the other thing. We we're down. like, yeah. they're like, yeah, we're not in Georgia anymore. This is this is yeah. some next level <laughs> stuff. So, that, so that that was that was two very very cool things, and that that's that's the other really cool thing with getting to you know travel around the United States. You get to see how, you know, even like how different there's the same franchises are built differently in different regions. Like when we go to California, like their McDonald's look very different from the McDonald's because like their buildings are, you know, just different. Like everything in Arizona is like more stucco, whereas everything in Georgia is either, you know, vinyl siding or brick. And so it's it's really cool to get to see the different cultures within like the culture of America. So yeah. we're gonna take a quick break. I see Alan J in the chat. Welcome, a fellow the quality entertainment host. 
Um, he said, I bet being a full-time YouTuber has its motivational challenges. And we're going to yep. get to that right after this break. So stay tuned and uh, stay locked in. It says in the Old Testament, worship no other gods than me. The implication I offer is that we are a species that worships. And if you do not access the divine, you will worship the mandil. Solid. That's so because, I mean, that's kind of how I would take it to you, is... I get into it in my point a little bit, but it's like we're either to worship God or we're going to worship the things not of God mm -hmm. and worship the things not of God that just leads us down a tunnel of despair ultimately. No, yeah, I definitely agree. It's like you're either going to strive for that which is good, beautiful, true, like the ultimate version of that or you're just settling for, you know, good enough, which by default would be the things that aren't of God. We are back. We just, we're here with TJ3 History. We've talked about saving history. We've talked about traveling around the United States. Now we're going to talk about being a YouTuber. Before we do that, I need you to. Because we're on a mission to be quality people. We want to thank everybody who's tuned in here live. Annoying American says, I'm really excited to see more videos with the veterans. Honestly, it feels almost like a documentary. And I feel so special playing a part as an extra, almost like I'm part of a documentary so i mean that's cool explain what he means by playing it extra well um you, you basically for those that don't know i in my videos i have to recreate a lot of these stories and that's kind of what makes me different uh but i recreate a lot of these stories with a flight simulator and generally that flight simulator is something called war thunder i have a lot of younger viewers and a lot of older viewers too some um who actually have to fly with me in these flight simulators and follow my very specific instructions to recreate these missions, recreate these dogfights and all sorts of other stuff. And Annoying American, Hornet, if he's still there, and, and lots of other guys that um, follow my videos are, are cool enough to come help me recreate those scenes by flying and, and following my instructions in a live stream. Um, and so that's what he's talking about. And don't sell yourself short, annoying American, because it's not almost a documentary. These are, you know, I have, I think most of my viewers would say, you know, that what we make together is better than what's on the History Channel, you know, and, and in, in a lot of ways, it absolutely is, you know. So I would even venture to say that you're not almost an extra in an almost documentary. You're an extra in a documentary. And sometimes yeah, you guys are sometimes you guys are more than extras. Sometimes, depending on the scene, you guys are are briefly a starring role in a documentary. <laughs> right. You know? um, but yeah. Yeah. Now I think that leads in beautifully to, you know, what your everyday role is in being a YouTuber. I know you don't necessarily like that moniker, but it's basically your full-time gig now making these documentaries. So just go through what it takes to 
put one of these videos together, like all the different moving parts and writing the script and everything like that. Yeah, man. Um, it is, it is, you know, I could go on forever about it. Um, I'll try and I'll try and summarize it as briefly as I can. And I, how I would summarize it is for every minute of footage that I put out on my channel, um, there's probably, probably about an hour of work that goes into making that minute. So if I put out a 14 minute video, uh, there's probably 14 hours of work that goes into that video. Um, you know, and so what that means is, is there is a ton going on behind the scenes that people don't see, people aren't aware of, um, particularly with this kind of content, because, you know, if I go out there and I just, you know, film a prank video at Walmart, you know, or whatever, something stupid, you know, like there's just a lot of low quality content on, on the internet these days. Um, you know, you can go do that in five minutes and you know, whatever. Um, what I have to do is, is for a minute, you know, of, of content, I've got to research, I've got to look at archives, I've got to look up combat reports, I've got to potentially, I've got to go get a book off Amazon, I've got a stack of books right over here that's just too high for me to even get into. Um, and then after I do all that, write the script, take the time to write the script, I've got to go over, I've got to plan out a live stream, I've got to have viewers, um, show up, you know, come play these extra parts, follow my instructions. Sometimes we have to do some sort of crazy thing in the flight simulator. It takes us hours. You know, we've got, we've got to do something that the flight simulator was not designed to do. I've got to make this propeller bend in this certain way or something stupid, you know? And, and, and so, you know, then we have to do that. Then I have to record the footage and then I have to edit the footage and don't even get me into, you know, oh, now I've got a sponsor who's got, you know, whatever. But um, the big thing that I would actually talk about right now as a full-time YouTuber where with where I'm at is actually how much time I have to spend um, telling other people what to do or communicating um, tasks or, or um, you know, checking other people's work um, or even coordinating things, you know, coordinating interviews, coordinate, talking with vets, you know, emailing back and forth. Um, you know, I could go into my email today. Okay. These are, I've got a board over here. Um, yeah. Why don't I just get this? This is, I, I wrote this board today. Hold on. Yeah, and just going off of what he said, like for every minute of, you know, that you see in one of his videos, it's like an hour of you know, work that goes into it it's kind of the same with like every minute of footage that you see as far as from a interview perspective there's probably another hour that's been cut out of some of these vet interviews as well just because there's not like a compelling they could have told a really cool story but there wasn't anything that trent with his audience with you know making the documentary he couldn't you know fit that into the story and so we were just talking about it because i was making some shorts for you the other day and you're like we didn't even use this and i was like yeah, yeah. you're right like, but but it's cool that we get to kind of repurpose things in um different ways so but go ahead and show your board yeah so i mean just today okay just just today what i've got to do today is i've got to call george Rotalis. 
uh, to see when he wants to go to Virginia. I, I've got to call another veteran in Virginia. I've got to coordinate those. I got three new veterans I've never talked to who I have to call today. Um, one of them already called me back. I've got to return his call. I've got to send something to my thumbnail guy. I've got to mail cards. I've got these cards right here from my sponsor, um, an upcoming sponsor, and I give them away to viewers. I've got to actually mail these out. Uh, I've got to finish a script. I've got to, I have six emails that I have just right here that I have to reply to, you know? And so um, those could be from sponsors, from veterans. They could be from you. Uh, they could be from all sorts of stuff. Um, and so the big thing about being a, a YouTuber at this point is so much of it is just coordinating, planning, communicating um, so that we can get all of these big things to come together to one cohesive final project. And a lot of people don't understand that some, some people look at like, some of these YouTube videos and think, oh, like they're just making videos and they're uploading them. But no, this is actually full-time production just in a modern twist with a modern twist to it, essentially. And it's like what we're able to do, you, you referenced the History Channel earlier. It's like we're making History Channel level content, but at a fraction of the price and with really the fraction of the resources as well, yeah. as far as like, you know, the amount of cameras that we have access to or just different specialty gear, but we find ways to get it done in different ways. And you're truly running a business just using YouTube as a platform for your business. And so I think a lot of people don't understand that as well. So what was the point where you were like, okay, I got to go from doing most of this myself to, okay, now I got to delegate. I got to be more of a manager. Yeah, so the big thing for me is is generally I try and view that as a math problem. Is um, what is the best use of my time? And so if there's something that I do that somebody else can do better, um, then I'm I'm going to give it to them or or cheaper then I can do it. Uh, one of my favorite quotes I have written down in my notebook here is from Shark Tank. And it's as soon as you can uh, afford to do so, hire your weaknesses. And so, for example, one of my weaknesses was certainly uh, video recording. And so I outsourced that to you because you're way better at it than I am. You're way better than I could ever be at it. Um, and, and, and it just was an obvious answer to a big need that I had. Um, but then there are other things that I do a pretty good job of, but, you know, there are people who can do it faster than I can, um, you know, and one of those might be uh, making thumbnails, you know, um, they do it better and sometimes faster than me, um, There, you know, or, or other times I actually have people who record, I have, you know, I have young kids sometimes who send me footage and they're like, hey, I've got some footage I recorded from our replay on War Thunder. You want to see it? I'm like, yeah. And then they're like, oh, you know, I'm like, this is better than what I did. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and so the, the answer to the point, and, and to answer your question, Kenya, um, you know, at the same time, how many people are on your team? You know, tough to answer. Depends how you define a team. Um, you know, how many full-time people do I have here? I have me and, you know, I have Josh and Josh is, you know, maybe 0.2% or, you know, 
twenty percent full time. Right. You yeah. don't know what you want to call it, but <laughs> he's as close to full time as I have here. Um, but other people who are, you know, actually paid to help me, um, probably four or five. Um, you know, none of them close to full time. They're obviously just per task or whatever. But I have thumbnail help. I have editing help. Um, I used to have script writing help. I got away from that because that was one of those things where I actually kind of found that nobody can really do it better than me yet. Um, that's kind of something that I have to do. Um, but then I also have stuff like I have a guy currently who just posts my TikToks for me and, and helps her write my newsletter uh, because those are tasks that I could do, but it's going to take me a while. Um, and my time was better spent on things that were more that only I could do, you know, and so um, depends on how you define team, but probably about four or five, you know, something like that is what I would say with the main two obviously being me and Josh. Yeah, well said there. And yeah, going back to the script writing thing is that that one's tough because writing scripts is so it's such a taste thing. Right. It's and, such a taste thing because you have to have a taste for script writing. Right. Then you have to have a more specific taste of script writing for YouTube. Mm -hmm. And then to even just make the job impossible, you have to have an, a very good understanding of this particular history niche, which right. nobody does. Nobody, nobody checks all those boxes. And so I'm just simply unable to outsource that. But then also on the other end too is even if you were to get like partner with what's what's one of the other big history it was like yard house or something like that y yarn hub yarn hub that's what it is even if you got one of those guys to come write a script for you you may not even like it because even even though they check all those boxes because the way you tell a story might be different from the way they would tell a story even if right. you had the same set of facts in front of you this had the same interview footage the same resources and it's just so it's it's so personal whenever you're crafting especially documentary works because it's just as much of who's telling the story as it is about the actual details of the story which is what makes what makes documentary so so cool in essence, uh, because there's this personal aspect of this person's telling a story about events that happen, but they're also, you know, getting all these different perspectives. They're, you know, merging them in such a way that it's merges into this, you know, just beautiful creation at the end of it. So yeah, yep. that's definitely cool. So if somebody were to get into YouTube today, right? And it doesn't necessarily have to be history. What would be your advice to them? Like, is it worth it to get into YouTube? What should they the, do? This one is so easy for me to answer now. Um, there are two things. Pick a good niche and make dope content. That's it. Those are the only two things. Mm. If you do those two things, it is wide open for the taking. Um, don't, don't, don't make content like Mr. Beast. Don't make... Uh, silly little reaction videos, um, you know, on, on just whatever stuff. Uh, don't make trending shorts, okay? All of that stuff is, for the most part, a waste of time. Um, what you have to make is you have to find a niche 
you do want to enjoy it. Don't, don't, if you hate cooking, don't go into cooking, you know, um, <laughs> but, but you have to find a specific, uh, niche that ideally, if you if you want to do it as the potential hope for a career, you know, you don't need to pick something that just has a terrible, uh, audience, you know, CPM that that's one of the big thing, you know, don't, don't make, just ballparking something with like Fortnite videos, you know, that is going to pay very, very low. You know, nobody, nobody wants to advertise to 13 year old, you know, children for the most part. Um, you know, uh, there are tons of good ones. Educational content is great. Kids content, not, not video games, but actually like toddler content pays from what I've seen. Or yeah. Read, that's enormous. Ex extremely Crazy. well. Yeah. Um, obviously there are tons of financial stuff, but there's tons of competition in that niche. Um, you know, whatever, there's tons of different niches out there. Pick a good one that, you know, you would enjoy, but that also has minimal competition. That's where I got lucky is I got lucky because I found a niche with very little competition. Um, so that's advice number one. Advice number two is just make dope videos. Um, and, and if you're just not getting views, you're just not making good enough videos. That's all there is to it. And, and that, you know, I, other people say that, but that's the truth, um, you know? So if you make good enough content, you'll get views. That's all it is. There you go. So from the horse's mouth there, um, make good videos and, you know, pick a good niche as well and you'll be on your way, but also talk about like the growth aspect, like how fast can people expect to grow? Because I think they'll, they'll say, or they'll hear you say, okay, make a good videos and pick a good niche. And they, they feel like they're there. Right. Um, but maybe they're growing, but it's slow. They don't feel like they're going fast enough. What advice would you have for that person? So the big thing with that is find what performs well and make more of it. Um, you know, cause that's, that's what's happened to me is I made crash videos because I was mimicking another guy that I saw and I liked this stuff. And I was like, I bet I could do that. It also looks fun, you know? So I did it slowly. Cause I was TJ three gaming for those of you that don't know for like the first year and a half, two years that I did YouTube, I was TJ three gaming. Um, and then just one day, instead of crashing, you know, my plane into the ground, um, I was like, you know what, what if I reenacted this famous scene and then put up a video of me reenacting it? And that video did way better than most of my other videos. And I was like, whoa, I was like that particular video did noticeably better. Um, and so I, it wasn't that I was looking to get into history per se, and I'm, but I'm so glad it worked out that way. Uh, but it was that, okay, this video, I did something different. Let me try that again. And so I did a couple more crash videos, but then I was like, you know, let me do another history video. And wouldn't you know it, boom, again. And so you just continue to look for those things that YouTube and your audience are telling you, hey, this is what we want and you have to put it out, you know? And that it's tragic for some people, you know, unfortunately it really is because some people are like, oh, all I want to do is make Minecraft videos. And then they just, they're like, their friends like, oh, I, I want, you know, can you send me a quick video on how to change this tire, you know? <laughs> and, and, and they post this video on how to change a tire and it gets a hundred thousand views. 
I'm like, buddy, I hate to tell you, but if you want to be a YouTuber, you need to post videos on how to change tires right now. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, that's just the truth of it. You know, so that's what I would say about the growth is, and if you do that, the, the sky's the limit. If you just follow what YouTube's kind of hinting you to, then the sky's the limit. No, definitely. Yeah. So I've heard a lot of good YouTube advice, but the probably the best one I've heard is that success leaves clues, which is to say that essentially what you just said is when something is successful on YouTube, whether it's your content or somebody that's in your niche's content, then that's your clue to start. Like you said, you were imitating somebody who was making crash videos that was doing fairly well for you. But then when you shifted directions a little bit and that blew up, you know, you didn't go just right back to making the crash videos. You were like, no, let me follow the clue to success. And that's what's led you here. And even now you're continually, you know, revamping and restructuring. Like, like you said, now we have a thumbnail guy, which you didn't have a couple months ago. It's because you're like, oh, let's see if the, the click through rate and, you know, just the amount of people that click on the video goes up just by the sheer change in, you know, how the thumbnail is being made. Maybe it's a little bit more contrasty, the vibrant colors, all that different things. Does that play a part? And so far it's, it's been working out. So. Yeah. One of the best, one of the best assets for a YouTuber to have is the ability to learn on the fly, mm, yeah. to learn quickly and to make adjustments. Cause if you don't, you're toast. Uh, yeah, for real. And uh, that just goes for just life in general. If you have the ability to learn and to gain a skill, then you're going to find yourself being successful in whatever you do. Now, before you were a YouTuber, you were actually a baseball player. And that's actually kind of how we met. So we're going to get into that right now. We're going to talk about baseball and how that's shaped you grew up playing baseball. I played with your brother in high school and my brother played with your youngest brother in high school as well, but we never actually really got to play together. So talk about baseball yeah. coming up, um, even through your professional career and what that's meant to you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, big baseball family, um, you know, I, I just, it was a big part of my life growing up. Um, you know, really from, from the age I could walk to the, you know, I, I, I mean, I really only stopped playing probably like five, six years ago, you know? Um, and so it was, it was a very, very important driving factor in my life for a long time. That's all I wanted to do. Uh, and so I played in high school and I was pretty good in high school. Um, you know, but definitely not some sort of superstar. Um, I, you know, was probably just good enough to play in college and I ended up going to college but one of the things i did in college is like i just outworked people um i was not more physically gifted i would say than most people but i just outworked people i played smarter than people um, and so because of that i was able to have a pretty successful career um i actually played here's a fun fact for you guys um i actually played against josh uh a couple times in college um uh, probably like five six games um, and in my big highlight video, which is the uh, big highlight of my career, twice I catch foul outs from Josh um, <laughs> in, in that highlight video, uh, ranging because yeah. I was playing shortstop. He was a lefty. And for whatever reason against us, he just liked to pop out the left side. Yeah, I, I did that a lot in college. <laughs> and so, so two of them are, are me catching those. 
Um, but, uh, you know, so I, I played a lot of baseball and after college, I really wanted to try and play pro ball. So I, I went to various pro teams, did a bunch of tryouts. A lot of times I was close. Um, and, and twice I actually got offers to come and play. And so I went out to spring training. Um, and the, you know, the big moment in my career was when I went to spring training and I was kind of lock in for this pro team. And I just, I just hurt myself in spring training. Um, terrible muscle tear. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason, that just wasn't God's plan for me. Um, you know, and it broke my heart because that's all I wanted to do. And it was terrible because, to be honest with you, my whole family uh, pretty much had plane tickets to come to opening day. I was I was the lock-in shortstop, uh, going to be playing in front of a few thousand people on, on opening night. And, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. I, I got released because of the injury, tried to play on another team the next year. Um, and, you know, I, I played spring training and, and I knew that was probably the end of it. So I did get to savor that a little bit and just enjoy it for, for the ride. Uh, but I was released again in spring training. And, uh, you know, so that's when it kind of came to an end. And, and it was good to be able to have that closure with my baseball career. Um, I do wish um, I do wish my parents would have been able to come to another game. Um, because that was the, the worst part of it all, uh, was that I didn't really get to know that it was the last game I was playing in front of my parents uh, when I did. Um, but so because of all that, um, I ended up starting a baseball organization, um, kind of took it over from someone who I helped start it with. And uh, that's what I did full time for, uh, for like three, three years. And uh, I still do it now, uh, pretty much full time. Uh, but last year, it really shifted um, as the organization grew. My YouTube channel also grew. It really shifted where I was like, okay, you know, based on how things are going, I need to be a full time YouTuber, not a full time baseball organization runner, you know. And so I've handed off most of the uh, operations of that, and I'm I've kind of just hands on when I need to be. Uh, you know, but that was a pretty fulfilling role too. It's pretty, it has its bad moments, certainly, but um, it was pretty fulfilling to be able to help guys play baseball at the next level, get them scholarships and help them in their baseball careers. Um, because in a lot of ways, I never had that, you know, at various points in my career. Um, and so hopefully I could be kind of the help that, that, you know, I wish I had a little bit more of, you know, uh, but so that's how baseball kind of played a pretty significant role in my life. Oh yeah. That was awesome. That was awesome. And your ability to the resilience from, you know, your you had your dream right in front of you and it's almost like it was just, you know, just the rug pulled right up under, right from up under you. And it's so easy for people when things don't go their way to sulk and that throw themselves a pity party and then spiral downward. But you were able to, you know, use that and to be in a place where you're able to give back to the game that was, you know, essentially kind of taken away from you, or at least the, the opportunity to play at a professional level. But now you're able to help guys pursue that same dream. That you weren't able to pursue whereas a lot of people would be callous and be like well if i can't do it then i don't want to help anybody else so i mean that's good so where does that you know perseverance and resilience and fortitude come from 
Oh man, that's a good question. Um, you know, I would, I would certainly say some of it comes from my dad. Um, he's a, he's a pretty, pretty resilient guy. Um, mm -hmm. I would also say there were some stuff that really kind of drove me when I was younger. Um, in back in 2007, you'll obviously remember this, uh, as will, uh, your mother, right, uh, yeah. who was pretty active with little league. Um, but in 2007, when, uh, those our little league actually won the little league world series. Um, and, uh, they, they went on to win the whole thing. And that was kind of our league's all-star team. What people don't know is I was tied for 10th place in votes on that all-star team, I believe. Um, and so uh, I just missed this, making this all-star team for the Little League. And then I had to watch all these guys who I was good friends with, go play on ESPN, go play in the World Series, come back and, and you know, be the most popular guys in town with their faces plastered on every billboard and, you know, all that stuff. Um, and that was pretty tough for me. And, and it was, you know, I was happy for them because a lot of those guys were my friends. But it was very tough to watch, you know, from the sidelines. And so because of that, after that moment, I was like, man, you know what? I kind of I felt like I had a little chip on my shoulder that I had to prove that, hey, you know, right. I'm as good. I'm as good as these guys, mm -hmm. you know, and, and hopefully at the end of the day, I, 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 I maybe proved that. But if not, it certainly helped develop me into a more uh, resilient young man at that time. Amen to that. Like I will, I'll tell you this too. So, of course they they won that year, and you know the whole town was going crazy. But then when the year that your brother went as well, um, that was really cool for me because those were all the the people that were just a year ahead of me. And so I was yeah. like, man, the 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 group that I'm with, we're pretty much just as good as them. So if they made it, like we can make it. But what happened after your brother went, they split the league into two. And then because yeah. of all the politics, they they knew that, hey, well, if they split the league into two, put all the good players on one side. But because of, you know, all the daddy ball and stuff, they people wanted to, you know, they were going to fight over who, wanted, who was going to coach the all-star team and then who was ultimately going to make it. And so our talent got split. And because our talent got split, we basically just didn't have – I mean, I wouldn't say we didn't have a chance because I think both teams were pretty solid. But if we had one team, it would we would have we would have been right back in the Little League World Series. And I was like, "This is this is horrible." So I felt like that was kind of stripped away from me. And I remember after yeah. my last Little League game, I was like, "Well, our high school team is going to be pretty good." I was like, "Yeah, we can win right. state championship." And I remember watching I, during that time. We were watching the final season. I'm not. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that movie, but it's about a team. I forget where. Where this school had basically. Uh, it was a small school. I think in like Iowa or Idaho or something. And rich in baseball culture, they had won multiple state championships. They had a Hall of Fame baseball coach. And they were going to close this school because it was going to merge with a larger school. And this town was like, no, we don't want it. But the state or the city or the county or whatever was like, no, like it has to happen. Like we, we're not going to, we basically can't afford, I guess, to keep the school open. And so the town's like, man, like there's not going to be baseball. So it's these kids' final season. And they're having struggles during the final season, not necessarily playing like the school has traditionally but then 
they find themselves in the state championship. And I believe they were playing against the school they were either merging against or one of the big schools. Um, at least I think that's how the plot was in the movie. I'm not sure if that happened in real life. But then they go on and, you know, they beat this team in dramatic fashion. And so, you know, combination of just watching these guys go and then also, you know, that movie really drove me. And then I was able to be on, you know, a team where it was like, or I was like, I'm, I don't care what I have to do. Uh, I, I want to be on a team that, you know, wins like a championship. And so um, yeah. I would just remember, you know, that state championship run. I had had a really good season, but during the state playoffs, I played really, really well. It's like I upped my game because I was just so like hungry for it. So, so yeah, Heck yeah. Um, definitely that. So before, you, before we get out of here, just want to really I know you got to go to bed because you got kids that get up really early. Just want to touch really quickly on, you know, faith and, you know, where does your faith come from? How does that drive you? How does that intertwine with, you know, baseball, YouTube, saving history and all that good jazz? Yeah, so I was raised up in church. Um, I was raised up in um, a little bit smaller of a church than uh, a lot of people uh, go to who who do go to church in the South, you know, a lot of big Baptist churches um, around, but that's not exactly where I uh, was raised up. Um, we were pretty, pretty regular. My, uh, my grandfather was actually uh, a preacher on my dad's side. And so, you know, we were very um, Christian family, still are. Uh, we have Bible studies every Sunday right now. And, and um, that's a very important part of our lives. But, um, you know, one of the things that I would say that that uh, really helped with was building the foundation for um, right and wrong. You know, uh, if I take, you know, when I'm trying to do a lot of the stuff I do on YouTube, there's a lot of things that um, I could do one way or the other, you know, and it might benefit me more to do something this way. The same thing with the Coastal Stars, my, my baseball program is, you know, I can, I can, you know, do things differently. I could cut a corner here if I wanted to, or, you know, whatever. Um, but I, I really try and do what I think is right. Um, and, and I'm very proud of that, you know, because I may, I may screw, you know, this video up. I may mess up this veteran story. Um, you know, or I may, I may, I may do something wrong on the baseball field, but um, I know what I believe to be right based on what the Bible tells us. And so, because of that, um, I always try to uh, do that above anything else. Um, you know, there's a there's a quote um, that that I very very much like. It's from uh, Matt Walsh. Um, I don't know if he tailored it, but it's where I saw it. Um, and, and the quote is, is don't do what makes you happy. Do what is right because happiness comes from a life well lived. Um, and that rings very true to me because one of the things that we see a lot of the times with these veterans is a very firm and a very traditional uh, morality. You know, these guys do not um, – these guys do not do anything that, you know, would ever be considered, um, oh, that's, that's lazy. Oh, that's, you know, he's cheating this guy. You know, he's, uh, 
you know, he's, 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 you know, being rude to this person. These, you know, in this generation, um, and that's one of the other things I would also say, that's how the history stuff has actually impacted my faith as well. Um, is that these guys have shown me, um, you know, that, you know, 80 years ago, people used to live biblically across the country. You know, it wasn't like today you find somebody, oh, uh, you know, marriage is important to this person. Oh, well, you're an outlier, you know, or, oh, uh, you know, you want to help somebody who's got a flat on the side of the road, you know, you're, you're, you're just going above and beyond when 80 years ago, that was the norm. You know, th those guys didn't mess around, you know, oh, I don't have, you know, I'm not, I don't have time for this. I don't, you know, this guy might be a con artist. 80 years ago, every, almost every person in the country lived according to uh, a traditional Judeo-Christian morality. And they did it very, very well. Um, not because they consciously thought about, you know, uh, anything different, but because the whole country pretty much attended church. And if they didn't attend church, they still abided by, oh, marriage is important. Oh, you need to be an active parent. Oh, it's good to be an active member of community. Oh, you need to take pride in, uh, supporting, you know, your, you, you know, your country. Um, and so that's one thing, you know, that doing that job has actually impacted my faith is that it's it's shown me not only that um, people can do that, but that if you, you know, actually live in a biblical morality, then to be quite frankly honest with you, life is just far, far, far better. Um, um, I, one of the one of the things I would also say um, concerning my faith is, you know, I. I'm very much trying to figure out a way to use my platform for that purpose. Um, I have not, obviously your platform, you know, you have a much smaller platform at your current size than I do, but your platform is specifically focused, you know, in a lot of ways on uh, content that's based in, you know, faith lessons, mm, yeah. living faithfully. Mine is not, you know, and so I've built up a very big audience and a very big platform. Um, but one of the challenges I have is, okay, you know, I have a lot of people that, you know, listen to my stuff and depending on, you know, which segment of my audience you look at, I even have a lot of young people that look up to me, you know, and how do I share the gospel with these guys? How do I tell these guys that they need to, you know, believe and, and, and be baptized, repent, um, you know, and, and try to bear fruit, you know, if I can get that far, um, you know, how do I do that? Um, because the way YouTube's just designed is it makes it very difficult to do that, you know? And, yeah, and for sure. um, you know, so that's kind of something that I have toiled with as my platform grows. Um, you know, and I certainly, you know, I don't want to intertwine it in a way that, you know, is, is not necessarily, um, approved by the veterans who are the stars in these videos, obviously, or, or the people whose stories that I'm sharing. Um, but perhaps, you know, in something else, you know, and, and it also creates additional challenges too, because, um, 
like for example, when I do these live streams, a lot of times I have 25, you know, 30 guys watching me on Twitch and flying with me in these videos. Um, and you know, it's easy not to cuss in my own content. That's obviously easy. Uh, but you know, I try and be nice and raid people on Twitch and I've got 15 year olds in my audience and I just go click on somebody's page and they're just dropping F-bombs, you know, or, or, you know, some girl, you know, wearing, you know, just totally erotic clothing, trying to attract viewers on Twitch. You know, there's just, it's just totally so many opportunities like that, where I'm like, you know what, <laughs> sorry guys, I have to apologize for that because, you know, I, I, I feel responsible to mm, yeah. try and yeah, almost like, you know, you guys are my little sheep that I have to try and take care of you guys. And now I'm putting y'all in front of bad content. So that's, there's definitely challenges that it creates. Um, but one of the big things is I'm trying to do, and, and I think it might end up being one of those things where, um, you know, it's not, it's not something where I just broadcast to my whole audience per se. It may be, hey, I've got this one viewer I've built a very good relationship with, you mm -hmm. know, and he really looks up to me. Um, let me see if he goes to church anywhere, you know, um, and that might be a better thing. And I think, you know, I think we can all agree that, you know, me shouting to a bunch of people I don't know in a YouTube video about my faith um, is going to be far less effective on an individual level than me building a relationship with someone. Um, and the good thing about what I do is I have a lot of people who want to build a relationship with me um, just because, to be honest, they they like my stuff, you know. And so can I use that to share the gospel? I certainly hope so. And I certainly hope that um, God gives me the courage and the wisdom to do that. But uh, it's a work in progress, and, and I'm going to continue to work on it as uh, – I continue to try to do the work here at the channel. That's what I would say. And, and, and the proof of that is that we have done that with my baseball organization. You know, we yeah, have, yeah, we definitely um, made a conscious effort. We, doing that. We, yeah. we, we make a conscious effort. We try to share the gospel. We try to preach, you know, believe, baptize, you know, live a healthy life, repent. Um, and, and, and we try to teach them these things. It's, it's difficult just due to the nature of the program to actually see the result all the way to finish sometimes because, oh, we see this kid one day and then we don't see him for two weeks, you right. know, whatever. Um, but we're, we're, we're doing our best and I think we're improving as we go along. So hopefully we can continue to do that and move that, you know, sort of, uh, you know, ministry to some of my uh, followers, hopefully. That's, yeah, that's we're the able plan. To, we definitely plant seeds, I would say, um, in, yep. in the baseball program, which is, uh, you actually just said seed planting, as I said that. So, um, But yeah, and the result of that is that we actually have two base, two of our players coming on tomorrow. So um, tomorrow <laughs> we're having yeah. another profitable conversation. Grady's been on the show before. He's going to come back, but he's going to be with his uh, one of his teammates, Elon, who's been begging me to come on. And so we're going to have a little uh, Ask Coach Prof session. So we'll we'll get into who they are and what they do and what's going on in their life. But they'll also get to ask me some questions about, you know, anything that they want to know as well. And so, yeah, that's a cool thing is like building relationships with people. And I think with your content, 
because uh, you you mentioned that you feel like you're almost like their shepherd in a sense, which uh, I have been thinking about, you know, the concept of a shepherd because, you know, like that's where the word pastor comes from. And of course, like you have, you know, your pastor who's a shepherd over you, but then you're a shepherd over a lot of things in your life as well, whether it's your kids, whether it's, you know, if you're a leader in a group, uh, just different things, you're a shepherd over yourself in a sense. And so like the, it, it kind of like fractals down all the way to the person to where like, one, you have to be a shepherd over your life. I mean, God's the ultimate shepherd over your life, but then he, he puts a shepherd over you at your job, which is your boss. He puts a shepherd over you at your, you know, in your, in your house of worship as well. And so it's very important that you're under a good covering and all those different things. And so, and then when you are the shepherd that you are leading by example, and I think you're doing a very good job of that, which like you said, on your channel, it's hard to just overtly say like to share the gospel. But I think like you said, because of the Christian Judeo-Christian ethos that everybody was living in back then, it's, it's just laced naturally like the character and the integrity of the good news is laced in what you do already and so at the very least these kids or even these adults that watch your videos they're at least being introduced to the character and the discipline of you know the, they're being introduced of, to a christian morality whether they know right. it or not exactly you know, they're being exactly. they're being introduced to somebody who thinks the f-bomb is probably bad or that scantily dressed women are probably bad, you know, right. um, you know, or, or, or people drinking on stream, you know, cause I right. have to face those things when I'm on Twitch and just trying to find somebody to send my viewers to, you know, so at, mm, at yeah. least they're being introduced to that sort of value system. Yeah. And it, it's almost like, it's not even that those things are, well, I mean, they're, they're bad in, in their nature, but it's, it's not even that those things are bad. It's that the, it's, as your character's being shapened, right? It's like those things are bad compared to who are you are becoming. So when you have somebody who's, you know, a person of integrity, who's responsible, who is forthright, who is bearing fruit, right? Then of course, you know, drinking and, you know, cussing up a storm and acting belligerent, that's, that's going to be bad. But if you don't know any better, if you haven't been exposed, if those seeds haven't been planted, then I mean, that's their standard. Of, that's literally their standard of living. That's all that they know. And then, of course, you have the the other one where you know, but you still choose not to do that. And so that's when people right. have like hardened hearts, as it says in like uh, Genesis or well Exodus, the, the the mosaic story. So, yeah, man, this has been fun. I know you got to get to bed. Um, so, TJ three history, ladies and gentlemen. Before we leave. Um, Kenya put up your Patreon. So she said, go support oh, the you. work at TJ3 Patreon. And that that's actually very important. So if you were wondering how you can support TJ in any way or support him in his efforts or our efforts to, you know, travel the country and get these vet interviews, that that's the easiest way. One, you get bonus content that we shoot. So some of the stuff that doesn't make it into the full length documentaries, You'll Lots get to see stuff. 
yeah, well, yeah, lots of stuff now because we're, we we film so much. Yeah. Um, you'll get to see, you know, how he puts together some of his videos or just different things of, you know, like we, we were on the Hornet and, you know, different things that happen on the Hornet that aren't going to be in the actual video, you'll get to see on Patreon. So not only do you get to support us in our efforts to save history, but you also, you know, get some really cool bonus content as well, we'll give you just a second to send in any final comments. Looks like everybody's kind of toned down and wound down. But Trent, TJ, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure, on. man. Yeah, th thank you. Couldn't do it all without you, Josh. So thank you very much for the help. Appreciate you having me on and uh, really enjoyed it, man. Absolutely. All right. Um, last thing before we go, this is when we'll be back. I'll put up the schedule. So Tuesday, like I said, we're going to have another profitable conversation. I'll have two of my players that are confirmed. I confirmed it with them earlier, and they'll be on at 5 p.m. tomorrow so I can uh, you know, get the stream out of the way so I can go play pickleball. And then Wednesday, we're going to have a quality pod, so Kenya and I will be back in action. Thursday, there'll be no show, but we are planning uh, some really cool shows on Friday and Saturday as well. So you're not going to want to miss that make sure you are liking subscribing doing all that stuff and we will see you tomorrow have a good night